we're in this series uh, about love songs and relationships and those kind of things. But before we get to that, I want to give a couple plugs. I always say hi to my mom online. She watches online and uh, so many people. I got an email from a fellow in Finland named Richard Brown, who's there playing professional basketball. And he emailed me and said, man, I'm watching you from Finland. I didn't even know they had TVs in Finland. Seriously. <laughs> so great. And if you're watching from some faraway place, please email me at patrick at rpc.me and let me know where you're coming. I think that's so interesting. I always say hello to the men at the Ramsey unit. Thank you for coming to church today. We're so glad that you're here. I know it's hot, but it's cooling off. So I can't wait to get down there. Uh, I got approved by the TDC to be able to go to the prison. So we're trying to figure out my schedule to do that. So that, 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 that'll be a lot of fun for me. And uh, of course, we have two other campuses. If you're new, we have a West End campus down inside the loop. And then we have a Missouri City campus here. And this is an exciting season in the life of our church. I'm telling you, if, you've, if you're new here, this is a time to catch on because so many great things are happening. The problems that we have are problems because so many people are coming to church here. I mean, it's really quite amazing. And uh, I mean, we're overflowing. I mean, it's just incredible. So we're trying to figure out how to facilitate on all three campuses what God is doing and and we're calling this next series called I Will. So we have vision meetings. Uh, we have one in Missouri City today. We have one tonight at West End to kind of tell. But this is the perfect time. Starting next week, I'll be talking about I Will, where we're at, what we're doing, and how our faith can grow. And I'm really excited about it. I haven't been excited, this excited about the future of our church a long time because of the pandemic and growth. I wonder if we're going to survive it, you know, those kind of things. And so here we are in a really good place and you don't want to miss it. You do not want to miss this. If you could make the next four weeks, or at least watch online, you don't want to miss this, okay? And here's the thing. Because our church is growing so much, we need everybody to work. One of the core values of our church is this. Everybody works. And what we realized is that when we started our church, we didn't have a choice. You know, there was five families, and we just, everybody worked, you know? And so now we got bigger. Everybody thinks, they don't need me. We need you desperately. We need you desperately to serve. Ushers, greeters, parking lot, barista. And if you like flipping burgers, man, out in the yard and grill, children's ministry, youth ministry, small group ministry, missions ministry, prayer team. Um, we have all kinds of needs. And what we want you to do, this is an identity shift for a lot of people. We want you to change from being a consumer where you come and enjoy it and great to a contributor. You want to be part of the mission. It gives you a perspective that this is something bigger than you, something bigger than yourself, and it makes church so much better because you're going to see yourself being part of making a difference in the community and in people's lives. So we want you to sign up to serve. Uh, put that QR reader back up there. So nobody got their phones out before. So do that, okay? Get your phone out here. We'll just do it. And if you don't know how to work, just come see me in the lobby or something. Somebody can help you. And you sign up for that. And then boom, uh, you can volunteer. You can go to our website. Do that uh, because I'm telling you, it really will make this a rich experience for you, okay? I I promise. We're not just looking for free labor. Uh, we're looking for you to grow in the way you do it. Anytime, this is my last thing I'm going to say about it. Anytime, anytime you do something for somebody else that you particularly may not want to do, you grow. It's really good. Okay, good. So we're talking about love songs. Okay. I told this joke in the first service and they said, you should not tell it again. So I can't tell it. And uh, okay, thank you so much. So anyway, my wife is here, and she's going to kill me. Okay, I, will, I follow this guy that gives terrible marriage advice. Okay, so this is terrible marriage. I think it's hilarious. Okay, so anyway, bad marriage advice. So he says, I'm going to blame it on him. He says, 
that research, I cannot believe I'm doing this. I mean, I did it once, and they said, don't do that again, and here I am. Okay, so, okay, researchers have found that there is a food that totally takes away the sex drive of a woman. It's called wedding cake. Thank you so much. Thank you. I know, I shouldn't have done it. I told you. I should not have done that. How did I get this job? I mean, seriously. Totally inappropriate. Sorry for that. <laughs> so funny. Uh, so real. Anyway, so, anyway. Let's just close in prayer and uh, be done with this, that's for sure. Anyway. Hey, so last couple weeks have been really good. We talked about communication. We talked about building intimacy. And we talked about the ingredients. These ingredients are good for any relationship. Here are the ingredients, right? Ingredients for building intimacy. One, selflessness, right? This is from Jesus' life. Selflessness. Two, humility. This is the hardest part. Because we can be selfless for periods of time, but humble is a character issue, right? Third thing is action. This third thing is the hardest thing to do in many ways because we can have the right attitude, we can be humble, but we got to act. To build great relationships requires action. You got to do something. You can't have the right motives. You can't have the right direction. You can't want the right, right things. You've got to do something to build great intimacy, great relationships, and great marriage. So if you're married, single, whatever, I think today's going to help you because today we're going to be talking about conflict. And we all have conflict. We all have conflict because this is the reason why. The reason why is because we have two broken human beings coming together, trying to get their needs met in some sort of intimate relationship, and it's a dogfight at times. There's conflict because we're broken. We're not perfect. I know when you said I do if you're married, and if you're not married, you're hoping that this person is going to complete you or take away your loneliness or do something amazing in your life, and all that may be true, but there are seasons in all of our relationships that are good and bad, and so we have to figure out how to manage conflict well. Not only are we broken human beings, but we live in a broken world. And the world that we live in is we're overscheduled, we're busy, we're stressed out, we've got mental health issues, we're, we got pressure at work, we got money pressures. And are you raising kids? If you're raising kids and you're not fighting, something's wrong with you. You ain't right. All of our kids are gone. And what we realize, all of our kids have grown up, gone, independent. And we realize we have nothing left to fight about. This is so good, you know? And so we live in this world. And listen, we resolve conflict just like we build intimacy. We resolve conflict from the models that we were shown. So if you came from a yeller house and they were yelling and screaming and fighting, that kind of thing, that's probably your first strategy that you figure out this ain't right. This isn't working. But in order to build great relationships with your children or with coworkers or with your spouse or with somebody you're dating, then you've got to be good at resolving conflict, okay? Resolving conflict. And if you're not good at resolving conflict, you're inflicting pain. Pain, and it builds up. It builds up. I don't think people divorce necessarily for one or two reasons. I think they are divorcing pain. There's some pain in their life they cannot resolve. And because they can't resolve that, man, they are. And there's good reasons to get divorced, okay? I'm sure you've got one. But I'm just saying that that's what we're quitting when we're quitting. We're quitting some level of pain in our life. So I don't really know. I'm not good at this. I can't believe I have to speak on this because I'm not really good at this. I'm not a great resolver, but I want to be. And I don't know exactly how to tell you 
how to resolve conflict effectively, but I can tell you how not to do it. <laughs> Are y'all here? It's good. Are y'all still getting over that joke? I'm so sorry. I, I saw three people walk out, you know, I'm so sorry. I should never have done it. I just, uh, I'm stupid like that. I mean, that's it. Here we go. Here we go. Bad strategies. You ready? First one. Win-lose propositions are bad strategies. Some of you are so competitive that you just got to win the argument. You don't even know what you're fighting about, that you're smarter, that you're wiser, that you figured it out, and you want to win. And it's just the, the goal typically in these kind of conflict resolution moments is not really resolution and peace and unity. It's I'm right and you're wrong. Man, when I'm right and you're wrong, man, that, that is a tough situation because there's always a winner and a loser and never does either party know whether they won or lost because there's so much pain inflicted in this. You don't feel like a winner when you won. You don't ever walk away, at least I've never walked away from a conflict going, woo, got her on that one, didn't I? <laughs> Boy, I'm really, I'm really smart, I'm really no. No, no, you walk away with the same negative emotions because this is a win-lose proposition. And I've heard a long, long time ago, long time ago, you got to figure out whether you want to be right or you want to be together because you may not be able to do both. And if being right is really important to you, then being together may not happen. And somehow you got to set aside, but I'm right. We feel like we got the truth on our side. I got the truth on our side. I'm right. I know. I got this. And you're wrong. And so my goal here is to figure out how to get you to understand you are wrong and I am right. It's terrible. It's a terrible way to resolve conflict. I know this from experience. Okay? Here's another bad uh, way to uh, 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 resolve conflict. Avoidant. Some of you like this. All conflict is bad. We will avoid it at all cost. There is no problem. There is no problem. No, that didn't hurt. I'm fine. I'm great. That's good. Super. Yeah, let's, let's pray. And uh, we're fine. We'll just go to church. No, 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 really. It was no big deal. I know you didn't mean it. It's okay. Terrible. You just swallow in pain. If you grew up in a home like that, there was never a problem. We don't, we don't confront things. We don't, we don't say, hey, that was wrong. That hurt me. That was, that was disrespectful. I feel disrespectful when you do that. If you, don't, if you don't grow up in a home like that, then you might think negatively about conflict. But here's the reality about conflict. It's almost impossible for you to build intimacy without conflict, without resolving conflict well. I mean, if every day is good and you get along all the time, there's nothing to go through. But when you go through conflict and resolve conflict, there's a deeper level of understanding that occurs, especially in this dynamic world where people change ever, always changing, that you've got to reach that deeper level of understanding so that you can come to a place where you can love each other in a deeper way. So that's why avoiding conflict is a terrible way for you to resolve it, pretending it doesn't exist or not bringing it up. You don't want to poke the bear or kick the dog or whatever you're saying is because you want to leave, what is it, leave sleeping dogs lie. Have you all ever heard that? That kind of deal. So that's really hard because typically what happens in our case, uh, you have somebody that thrives off conflict, <laughs> me, and Lisa, who grew up in a little church Christ home, that avoids conflict. And so it's like, oh my gosh, you know, it's tough. Now, Lisa's gotten so much better about being able to speak her mind and bring it up and not be fearful because I've created a better, safer place for that to thrive. So it does take two on this deal, but it's a terrible strategy. Here's another one, giving in. Giving in. Giving in is different than avoidant. 
Avoiding is, well, there is no conflict, we're just going to put our head in the sand kind of thing. Giving in is like, oh, sure, yeah, yeah, whatever you want. Yeah, okay, yeah, perfect. It's like when you say, where do you want to go to lunch after church? Do they say, uh, they don't say, well, I don't care. Oh, you don't care? Okay, well, why don't we go over here to the sushi place? Oh, that's fine. That's great. Perfect. And you get there, and there's nothing but bitterness and anguish over sushi. It's like, well, what's wrong? Well, I don't like sushi. Well, why didn't you tell me? Well, I just wanted you to have your way. I thought it would be better. It's that kind of thing where you just give in, that your opinion doesn't matter, your thoughts don't matter, your input doesn't matter. It's a terrible way. You think you're resolving conflict because you're letting the other person get their way. And what you're doing is you're cheating the other person from really understanding who you are and how you work, how you live, how you think. And so giving in is a terrible strategy because all these strategies involve this. When you have a conflict, did y'all have conflict today on the way to church? Don't raise your hand. That's terrible. <laughs> it usually always happens when there's this pressure of a time. We got to get there on time. There's a seat. They're going to seat us in the lakeside building if we don't get there in time. And we don't like that because God's not over there and we got to be over here. <laughs> you got all that going on, you know? And it's like, okay, and you've got this conflict, the kids are doing, and the kids always get money, right? I mean, all that stuff, okay? There's this pressure, and you have this conflict. Now, when a conflict occurs, right, when a conflict occurs, there's two opposite positions on some sort of topic, right? Now, if you're a terrible conflict resolution person, then you become the issue versus the issue becoming the issue. That's been my issue for a long time. I've got to get over that. You know, it's like I've got to address this appropriately so I don't become the issue so we can talk about the thing that really started this whole conversation, so that's really hard to do, by the way, guys. If you're a blaster like me, then you got to go, okay, I don't want to. I, I tell myself, I do not, I'm about to become the issue here because I'm going to say a bad word or something, and I don't want to do that. And uh, so what is the issue here? So we kind of have a very simple way of diagnosing conflict and resolving conflict that's not true. Here's the way we do it. We say, hey, listen. We think we wouldn't have conflict if the other person would just, and we fill in the blank. If the other person would just, what? Here's one, would just change. The other person would just change. If you just wouldn't be like you are, we wouldn't have this problem. <laughs> have you ever said that out loud? Uh, yeah, me neither. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's those kind of things. Change. Change is hard for everybody. And typically what happens if you've been married a long time or dating somebody a long time or been with somebody a long time, it really isn't conflict over behaviors. Behaviors trigger something else that you want changed. It's like the way you are. It's not what you do. It's the way you are. And isn't it funny, the things that attracted you when you were dating somebody before you got married, the cutest little thing, oh, that's so cute the way you do that. It's so cute. Becomes the most aggravating thing in your whole life after a little bit of while. I mean, am I alone in this? So cute, cute little Lisa. When we go on a road trip, you know what she does? <clears throat> Let me just tell you. We're on a road trip. I've told this before, so I can safe on this deal. I didn't get in too bad of trouble. She likes to snack in the car, but she doesn't like snack. What she does is she buys something that stinks and crunches real loud. I mean, all the time. It's not like soft thing, like a candy bar or something. It's corn nuts. You ever done corn nuts in a truck going to Oklahoma? Corn nuts, they stink so bad. It used to be cute. It's that kind of thing. You know, it's like, ah, oh, that's the way it is. 
those aren't really the bigger problems. The bigger problems is fundamental changes that need to be made or should be made or you desire to be made. And you're thinking, and this is, you're right. Somebody needs to tell you this. You're right. They need to change. They're wrong. You're right. Congratulations. It's just beyond your control. You can't create change in anybody else. Here's another one that you can't do anything about. We think if they would just realize. And so a lot of our arguments is me trying to get you to realize I'm right. And so it's terrible. You know, I'm just going to tell you, hey, I'm right. This is the way it is. And let me tell you why I'm right, that kind of thing. And my whole deal is to try to get you to convince you that I'm right. And it kind of leads to other things. We wouldn't have this conflict if you would just make amends. If you just say you're sorry, if you just kind of own it, trying to get you to own it. Again, beyond your control. And the last one is if you just stop it. If you just stop doing that. Or maybe it's start it. Maybe if you just start doing something. And all these things, are pro- you're probably right. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. You just can't do anything. When the conflict resolution depends on you changing another person, you're going to be bad at this. In fact, you're going to inflict more pain. You're going to be more hurtful. This isn't going to help you. In fact, when Jesus showed up on the scene, he gives us a brand new idea. We're probably resolving conflict the way we were taught to resolve conflict, or the way we witnessed growing conflict. But God has another plan. I mean, think about this. When God came to man, the incarnation, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, he took the initiative to resolve a conflict that man, the created, had with the creator. And that conflict was sin. And he wanted to do something that resolved that because he loved you and wanted to be together with you more than he wanted to be right. And he is right and you are wrong. So am I. I'm wrong. I'm totally wrong when it comes to me and God. And so Jesus Christ came, died on the cross and was buried and rose again so that we could have reconciliation or redemption or that we can have this forgiveness that's not based on me changing or my behavior. It's based upon me accepting what God's provided. It's about God's character more than my behavior. And so God shows us a better way. In fact, when Jesus started his ministry, he sat everybody down on this hillside and he gave this sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And he says this, blessed are the peacemakers. Say peacemakers. Peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. So as children of God, what we want and what we believe is there's this intersection between our faith in God and our relationship with other people. And somehow, and it's over time, and it's subtle, the more we grow in our relationship with God and the more our faith deepens, and the more we become more like Jesus, the better we are at relationships. And so blessed means full or happy. So full and happy is your life when you take on the role of peacemaker. This is a much different idea than being right. This is a much different idea than being a a, a power person that creates change in the other person so your life's more comfortable or better. It's it's better than you assigning the responsibility of all conflict to the actions of the other person, even though they're wrong. I'm not giving that up yet. I'm just saying this is the role God wants us to provide. And when our faith intersections with our, intersects with our relationships, all of a sudden we have a new goal. It is about, is about uh, being a peacemaker. It's about being together, not being right. 
So that, that's the ideal here. So listen, the more you grow in your faith, the better you are at resolving conflict because God resolves conflict. That's what he does. He's a redeemer. He's a forgiver. He provides grace and mercy and compassion. And the more you're like him, the better your relationships are going to be. So James, the half-brother of Jesus, gets to the bottom of what most of our conflicts are really all about. He asks this rhetorical question. He says, what's causing quarrels and fights among you? And it's easy to answer that. She is. That's the problem. <laughs> of course she is. That's what she's doing. That's it. He, he didn't do that. He's the What's causing quarrel? I'll tell you what's causing quarrel. This is what's causing quarrels and fights among us. They are doing this thing. That's what's going on. Or they won't do this thing. They're so passive. They won't do it. They say they'll do it. They say they're going in. They say they're in, but they don't. That's what's causing this. If that didn't occur, and you're right, if that didn't occur, we wouldn't have this problem. The problem is James redirects this idea. The rhetorical question of what's causing these quarrels, here's what he answers it with. Don't they come from the evil desires at war? Say those two words. Within you? No, 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 James. No. It ain't me. This problem we're having ain't me. The problem we're having is him. He is the problem. And James go, well, think about that. Isn't it really about evil? And then he gives us more, uh, more information, evil desires within you. You want what you don't have. So you scheme and you fight and you kill to get it. Here's what I want. I know what I need. I'm going to try to get it. I'm going to try to extract it from you. And you're not cooperating, and that creates a conflict, whether it's your kids, coworkers, or your spouse. So it's that idea. It's like, I'm not getting what I want here. In fact, that's the deal. It's what he says here is, I'm not getting what I want. You aren't getting what you want, and that's what's causing these fights. And I'm going to tell you, you got to acknowledge this. Yeah, put it back, please. I'm not getting what I want. Okay, let's say instead of you aren't getting, let's say I'm not getting what I want. Let's just say it out loud. You're not. It doesn't mean what you want's bad or wrong or you shouldn't get it. I'm just saying the reason we got a problem is you're not getting it. You're not getting what you want. That's the problem. This is very helpful. This is kind of a, you know, uh, a very good red flag for me years ago when I kind of discovered this idea. When Lisa and I were having a conflict with my kids, I realized, hmm, I know what the problem is here. Between me and you, I know what the problem is. I'm not getting what I want. That's the problem. Yeah, it, it might be good, bad. Not everything I want is good. Not everything I want is right. Not everything I want is timely. Not everything I want is fair. But that is the base problem. I'm not getting what I want, and I'm not getting our desires. So, so there's some steps that help me in this when I'm saying, okay, I'm not getting what I want. And it's really, when you've been married a long time, the problem is, the problem is you get tired of fighting over the same things. I mean, you just get like, I, I, I give up. I cannot have a conversation about this anymore. And that creates this real problem in your relationship. So, couple things that you can do that I think might help, okay? This isn't going to fix anything. <laughs> it's a terrible sermon. Uh, this might help you. That's all. 
I don't have any easy answers for this. Resolving conflict. So if I'm not getting what I want, the, the thing that might be a better question is what's really going on here? It feels like we're fighting over this, but what's really going on here? What's, what's the deeper issue? What's my hurt? Where do I hurt? This takes some introspection, which is hard and scary because, it, quite frankly, it's just so much easier to blame the other person. And, and I just want to say it again because I want you to hear it. They're wrong, <laughs> totally wrong. What they did was terrible. I can't believe they did that to you, and you're still here. Okay, I get it. But you got to ask this question. What's really going on here? Why is this so hurtful? Why is this such a frustration? Why is this such a conflict? Why is this an ongoing problem? Why am I so mad about this? What's really going on here? And it's helpful. The other day, Lisa and I were having a nice conversation, and it just it turned ugly quick off a dime because something I don't even remember because I became the issue. And uh, it was one of those deals that I had to stop and go, okay, what's the real issue here? And I was able to, after some time say, I think the real issue with that little stupid thing I did was, I just want you to be on my team. I'm so tired of you disagreeing with me. That's kind of what it is. I think that's what it is. I'm not sure that's what it is. It might be that I'm just real hungry. I don't really know. <laughs> but I think it's a good question. What's really going on here? What's going on inside? What's the hurt, the things I haven't dealt with? What, what's going on here? It's so much easier to say, well, if you would have done that, we'd never had this fight. But that's it. What, what's really going on here? Now, James goes on and says this. Here's the deal. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Now, here's the thing. Here's where the intersection of faith and relationships intersect. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want the wrong things for the wrong reasons. Most of the things that you want are about you, right? So you got to be careful, right? You want only what will give you pleasure. Again, we can go back to last week's sermon. We talked about selflessness. We talked about humility. We talked about actions. We talked about sacrifice. We talked about putting the others first. And James is bringing this up, this idea, if you want to resolve conflict, here's what you ought to do. This is good advice. Ready? Not only do you ask a deeper question, but you, ask the, you, you say, I need to talk to God about this. I'm going to talk to God. It goes right here. Talk to God about it. You have a quick prayer. You have a conversation with God. God, I don't know what's going on here, but I want to figure out what's going on here. And listen, here's what I think I want. Is this really worth wanting? And all of a sudden, you drag God into the middle of your problem. He wants to be there. And you have a conversation with God about it. You trust God to to ask him for timing and tone and words and temperament. And you ask God the deeper questions about why am I so upset about this? Now, I have to talk to God out loud because, well, I have ADD real bad. And if I just have this quiet prayer, let me just pray about this. I start thinking about jet skis and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I don't even like jet skis, but it's like jet skis. Okay. So I got to say, okay, God, listen. Now, you know, I go on a walk or go in my car. I always look in my car, make sure there's nobody in the back seat listening to me. And it's like, okay, God. And I say to God, because I think God can handle it. I say, God, you, you and I both know she wrong. But... <laughs> That ain't the issue here. The issue is, what do we do? What, what do I really want? What's my desire? You know, that's the thing. 
I, I, I got to figure this out. You drag God into it, and you have a conversation with God. Quick. If you can't multitask, which I can multitask, you know, you can't really do that in the media. Say, I just need a, right here, I need, to, I need a time out. God, help me. I do always, I'll just be honest, I do always ask, God, would you change her? It's so much easier than me changing. I mean, so he'll, he never does that. So it's like, okay, God, we're going to figure this out. And then go from there. And then all of a sudden, I got to check my heart. Do I really want unity? Do I really want peace? Do I really want intimacy? Do I really want a great marriage? Do I want great relationships with my kids? What do I really want? Or do I just want my way? See, I'm a control freak. Do I just want my way? I just want my way. I want to do things my way. I want you to do things my way. That's a problem. And so that problem provides a lot of um, foundation for conflict. Because I feel like people around me feel like I'm always trying to get them to do something my way. And man, I'm grown so much and I don't give myself enough credit because I think I have done well, but I'm telling you, that is a problem. So the third thing that we can do is we can offer grace to each other. Now remember, we're broken people. And because we're broken people, nobody's perfect, right? So we've got to figure out how to offer something to somebody that they don't deserve, which is grace. We live in a council culture, right? You, you mess with me. You don't think the way I think. You don't say the things I like you say. You're out of my life. You're done. I mean, we, that's the culture. I'm going to unfollow you. I mean, you can't believe during COVID how many people uh, just canceled me because I didn't do something right. And I wasn't making anybody happy. And it was just like, can't we just be friends? No. <laughs> if you're going to be like that, you're unreasonable. Uh, you know, that's what this church is so amazing. When you look around, we got people from every walk of life. You know, there's Democrats and Republicans in here. Stop it! <laughs> you stop that right now. It's because we respect one another, we can talk to each other, we can offer each other grace, we can listen, we can learn. When you cancel me and I'm out of your life, I can't learn from you anymore. You're really hurting me, and it's hurtful because I want to know why you see the world the way you see it, and I want you to understand my perspective. And you know what? More than that, I want you and I to be in a loving relationship because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, that's the way it's supposed to work, isn't it? You know, one thing, all of this, you know what? Poli- Let me just talk about politicians, how much time we got. You know, and we have politicians in our church, so be offended if you need to be, but... What, what, happens, what happens is everybody's using fear and the other side's so evil that there's no middle ground to come together to make solutions to help people. That's what I think. And so, um, so if everybody's your enemy, it's a problem. Here's what Paul says in Romans. Let's move on before I get in trouble. Did I tell you this joke about a woman? Never mind. So anyway... <laughs> Repay no evil, no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible, so far as it depends on you. Which means, hey, reconciliation and resolving conflict is not always possible. It's not. And if, but if you're sitting there going, yeah, it's not possible because of them, you've missed the point. You've totally missed the point here. Because it says... Right here, if possible, so far as it depends on you, you're going to do everything you can do because you're humble and you're selfless and you're going to take action. You're going to do something amazing to live peaceably with all. 
right? Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You don't have to be vengeful. God's going to take care of everything. And then he kind of turns our economy, our social economy upside down when he says this. To the contrary, this is how God works. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. What? I canceled him a long time ago. You know, feed him, right? Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. See, this is a grace-based idea that you don't deserve what I'm going to provide, but because I'm a person of grace and want peace, I'm going to do something that's coming out of my character for my love of God and my love of you, regardless if you appreciate it or not, regardless if you can do anything for me or not, regardless if you feel the same way toward me or not. You probably don't. But he says, listen, give them something to drink. And by doing so, you're going to heap burning coals. I mean, it's just, it's just going to create something. Do not be overcome by evil. Like, don't repay evil for evil is what he says. Don't do this. I'm going to out-evil you in a conflict with your spouse. I, oh, you, oh, you, oh, you want to play that way? Okay, well, let's talk about your mother. I mean, that, don't even do that. Don't do that. It's just, it's just like crazy. You want to overcome this conflict with good and gracious and compassion, but overcome evil with good. That's the idea. Compassion, mercy, and grace. It comes from God. And because it comes from God, you can extend it. And I'll say this, and I don't think I'm right, but I'll say this. If you're not a person of grace, I think it's because you haven't experienced God's grace. You've got an overinflated view of your goodness. But all of us were damned, headed in the wrong direction, but God so loved the world that he gave his son. He reached out. He said, come follow me. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. It's the prodigal son who squandered his wealth on prostitutes and, and lavish living. And the father's waiting in the driveway for him to return home. And when you understand the depths of your brokenness and the depths of your sin, you'll understand the greatness of God's grace. And a sign of that, a sign of that is how you treat other people. And if you can't treat other people with grace... I know we all have bad days. I'm not talking about forever. I'm just, I get I get it. But if you can't treat people with grace, it's because you don't understand the grace that's been afforded to you. And you, that's what God really wants from you. In fact, my favorite passage is Ephesians chapter 4. It says this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, because you're not going to find the perfect husband or perfect wife or perfect maid or perfect son or perfect daughter, perfect job, perfect boss. So you got to have kindness and compassion and forgiveness each other. And where do you get that? In Christ who forgave you. And so listen, if you're not going to forgive the hurt, you will not be able to build the relationship. And I know it's easy when the hurt is little. But ongoing hurt, all this, I get it. I know, I know. I, I don't know your story. But I know about hurt. And I'm telling you, when you are able to forgive the hurt, you're able to build great intimacy. 
And it's like, okay, how do I forgive? It's not forgetting. It's not saying this didn't happen or I'm just going to get over it. No, it's giving that hurt over to God and say, God, you do with this person whatever you want to, but I'm given the responsibility of what they owe me. They owe me for what they did to me. I'm going to give that over to you. They don't owe me anything anymore. Their debt's forgiven. They owe you, God. You take it up with them. So get them. Anyway, so no. (laughs) Sometimes I just pray it, you know. I just pray it. I just out there praying it, you know. But God's loving and kind with everybody. So uh, I'm not good at this. I want to be, though. I want to be a peacemaker. I just don't think at my funeral somebody's going to say, man, he really brought people together. He was a peacemaker. I don't think that's going to happen. But I'm hoping. I'm hoping to get better at it. I hope you do too. I have let go of this idea of needing to be right. God, I have such freedom in not having to be right. Oh, let me just revel in that for a minute. It's so good. I hope you'll find some freedom too. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for loving us, for your goodness and compassion. If you've never given your life to Christ, I, 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 I ask you to do it right now. Say, God, forgive me. I want reconciliation. Forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, was buried and rose again, and I want to follow you. I, I won't be perfect, but I know it's not based on me. It's based on you. So I pray, oh God, that you indeed would... Teach us because of your compassion, love, and forgiveness for me that you would uh, teach us how to love and forgive others. That unity and intimacy would uh, be more important to us than being right or proving a point or winning. And I pray, oh God, that you would make our relationships even better because of the love of Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.